what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Pop Culture Podcast. Well, you know what? You know what's unbelievable to me? It's unbelievable that you can hit record on your podcast and hear the man next door start his whippersnipper. All week he's had to do his whippersnipping, and he's decided the moment after I hit record, it's a good time to turn it on. It sounds as though he's on the other side of the backyard at the moment, though, so I won't have to go and fight him. Old Neil next door bought his house in 1974 for $11,000 and brings my kid tomatoes when he's here it's a holiday house so i can't be too upset with him but come on neil if you're gonna whippersnip you don't do your whippersnipping on a friday afternoon do you i'm not 100 percent sure what the etiquette is but it's uh from my perspective he's chosen the wrong moment i'm fine i'm feisty today i think i put it down to a lack of sleep I said to jesse the other day i go hey have you noticed the last couple of Fridays, I've been bringing, bringing a little bit of feisty at you? She's like, yes, I have noticed. I didn't want to bring it up. I said, why not? She's like, because you take it the wrong way. You've been so feisty. I said, well, okay, I'd like to apologize. And as soon as I went on my Neil rant, I thought, ah, oh, the feist is still there. It shouldn't be. I've got to relax. I think it's a culmination of no sleep. That'll do it, won't it? I think it's, it's not even a culmination. It's just the one thing. It's no sleep. If you don't sleep for two months, um, you're either going to see fairy penguins in a hallucination form, or you're going to be feisty. I've seen no fairy penguins, but man, I've been I've had a little bit of feist. We went out for lunch at a uh, at the Point Lonsdale Golf Course up here. Beautiful place. Went out there two weeks ago. Went out with my lady and my new little man. It was daycare day. Fridays turned into date day in the Popplestone household, and I sat there and I just didn't talk. And Jesse goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm not talking." And she goes, what happened? What did I do? I go, you did nothing. I'm just, I just am tired. And then I got halfway through lunch and I thought, oh, I'm such, oh, I'm a prick. I said, babe, am I a prick? She goes, you are. I said, well, hang on. Honestly, to be fair, I thought you were going to give me an out there. I thought you were going to say, don't be so hard on yourself. You're not that much of a prick. You're more just dealing with the difficulty of emotional strain based on a lack of sleep. But you can't you can't expect that from someone who sleeps less than you. See, I thought I was the one who had all the problems and I was gonna get all the sympathy. But what I realized as I was complaining was I slept the whole night through. My issue was I went to bed at 11 and woke up at 5.30. She also went to bed at 11. She woke up at 5.30 as well, but in between that, she had to get up to breastfeed at one, two, three, Oh man, it's a weird thing, the parenting world, isn't it? I, you forget what it's like in these very early phases. Because I've got a two and a bit year old, say two and a half year old, and what you do with a two and a half year old is very different to what you do with a two month old. Two and a, two and a half year old, you start to play games, have a little bit of fun, be a bit cheeky, and they can kind of self-play a little bit. A two-month-old, a two-month-old, just a little blob that smiles every now and then. It smiles and shits its pants from time to time, but you're you're completely responsible for making sure that either the, uh, you know, the shits don't take over and kill it somehow. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm not. It's a lot of responsibility, is what I'm saying. And this has never felt more true in my life than this week because for the first time I said to Jesse, babe, go out and have a little bit of fun with the girls. Go out and spend some time with the ladies last Wednesday. Just go out and put your feet up. You deserve it, babe. Have a wine. I'm more than capable of looking after this little kid. What could he possibly... He's two months old. I'm a 35-year-old man. What, you think he's going to win this fight? Turned out it was an emotional fight. He won. He had me against the ropes very early. He just cried 
and cry. It was screaming, essentially. He screamed for two hours straight. I said, hey, Ollie. He didn't respond because he's, he's two months old. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know the fact he has a name. He doesn't understand the concept of a name. But still, nonetheless, I tried to take that up. Ollie, you listen to your dad. Okay, I can. I start trash talking babies as well. Whenever it gets too much for me emotionally, you know I'm struggling when I start talking a big game to the baby. You're going to cry like this, are you? I can do this all day long. You keep crying. Watch me handle it. Watch this. He does it for four more minutes. I go, look, honest, I was joking. I can't handle it any longer. <laughs> you start understanding all those people who shook their baby for a little bit too long. You know, whenever it gets to a point where you start to have an appreciation for anyone who's shaking their baby, that emotionally you're struggling. Because if you had to ask me at 6 p.m. that night, what do you think of people who shake the baby? I go, that's a disgusting thing that should never happen. By 9 o'clock that night, I go, no, I understand it. The people are misunderstood. They need a chance just to be able to sit down and tell their version of events. I think the baby was guilty. <laughs> it's just a, it's a weird thing. I love my little boy, but uh, yeah, there's some emotional baggage that comes with it. Because there's only so much. I think there's a part of your brain. I heard this. I'm sure I heard this, that there's a part of your brain that is it's actually wired to to hate that with all your heart to hear your little baby crying and it makes sense like from an evolutionary standpoint but you should hate that sound more than anything else because if the baby's crying it needs your it needs something i wanted to say it needs it probably needs the mum's attention let's be fair because dads are great when it comes to kicking a ball in a lot of instances despite how hard i try the the understanding of what a baby needs emotionally or physically, like is that a burp? I'm not because I, I was looking at him for two hours. Going, you're a flog. Like you're what you've been an absolute flog. You've got no idea what it is that you need, or I have no idea what it is that you need. And nonetheless, you're going to carry on like that. It turns out all he needed was a little burp. I tried feeding him. I even tried giving him my nipple for a while just to see what would happen. I go, you know what? Well, maybe he won't know. Maybe if he's not hungry, I can just put him my my nipple and. And he can just fool himself to sleep. I mean, it was it was not the answer. And yeah, I like I have an appreciation for what ladies go through because it's quite painful, even with just gums. Those baby gums are quite hard, especially especially to a sensitive nipple. Can't just be putting your nipple in a baby's mouth and acting like things are normal if you. It's a weird thing to say on the start of a podcast. You can't be opening up to people about putting your breast in a... Uh, and you can't refer to your own chest as a breast because there's nothing less manly than a man who refers to his pecs as his breast. But that was what I was dealing with on my Wednesday night. What were you doing? Probably something lovely. Never been so happy to see my wife come home, but it was one of those ones where she got home and I had to let her know that emotionally I was struggling. I almost, I almost threw the baby. She walked... She walked in the front door and she was about a meter away. I just thought, catch. I don't I don't care. Just catch. I just went and had a shower. Blocked my ear. I put my headphones on after that. I don't want to hear the baby cry. My wife's incredibly patient with those kind of things. I'm not sure. I, I just, yeah, the baby, the baby sound is uh, it's one of my pet hates. I think I, just, I hate hearing people eat banana with their mouth open and I hate hearing babies cry. My two things, and dogs barking when I'm trying to relax at a cafe. Either train your dog or leave it at home. You can't be there reading your Herald Sun because you've got hearing aids turned down and everyone else have to sit there and listen to your dog bark. It's just, it's preposterous. In its entirety is what I say. Put, put a little electric shock on your dog. You can't be letting your dog just bark. I'm trying to have a, a long black here. 
Anyway, I've gone off long blacks a little bit this week. I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm actually not pretty sure. I'm, I'm going to say I'm certain that last Saturday I got COVID again. Last Friday, I was picking my little boy up from daycare and I thought, I'm starting to get flu-like symptoms. And I know the only flu in the world at the moment is COVID. So they have, uh, they have hundreds of rat tests just available for free anymore because that was a... That was a business for a while, and that business, apparently no one cares anymore. <laughs> they were the hardest things to get. Remember how hard it was to get a rat test for a while? I'd go down to my local chemist, and they had signs on the wall saying, we have no rat tests, please don't ask. That's very forward. Like, you, you know you've got a product when you, you're answering the, the frequently asked question on the window before you go in. We've got no rat tests, please don't ask. That's the ultimate sign that the product that you put to market was exactly what the market requested. Staff are getting angry at you before you've even asked the question. They've got so many leftover, and they used to be expensive. They were 20 bucks a hit for a little while. I took two the other day just because they were free and they had so many. I thought, well, you know, I may as well get value for money. I only used one out of the 12 possible rat tests. And it came back and it told me I was negative, but I think I tested too early because the next day, the Saturday, I got whacked. It was the same. It was the exact same experience as the first time I got COVID. Well, whacked for the first day. Second day I was okay. Third day I was back. Third day I was back. But every time, every time I get whacked with, I thought, "Oh no, I'm going to be that unvaccinated story. I'm going to be that unvaccinated story." That's quietened down a little bit now. Remember, they used to say the only people who are ever going to have problems with COVID are the people who have have not got the vaccine. And then so many people with the vaccine started to get really, really sick with COVID as well. They go, oh, okay, we, we just have a little trick. It was just a little funny trick we were doing. You didn't have to believe it so much. I was trying to tell people at comedy last night that I haven't got the, the first vaccine, not because I'm an anti-vaxxer, but because I've been procrastinating. <laughs> they, they didn't find it funny still. It's weird. I don't know if it's not funny or if there's just so much emotional tension around the subject that it's just... Uh, it's not worth trying to make people laugh with it. It was a very strange experience, but yeah, I got whacked. But crap, yeah, this time last week, this time last week, I thought I wasn't going to make it to this point, and, and here I am again. Here I am again on my own. Down the only road you have known. I don't like the feeling of not exercising though. That's the only thing that made me upset about about getting COVID because when you just you're just bedridden and you can't relax properly. When you've got a couple of kids, you can't relax properly because you know if you're doing zero percent of the work in that moment, it means that your partner's copped at a hundred percent. And playing in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, like I know what's going to happen. Even when I recover from this, my wife's going to cop it in a couple of days, and then I'm going to be on a hundred percent dad duty. So. I was, it was like a double battle taking place. Physically, I was going through a challenge that would have killed most men. That <laughs> felt like, anyway, I might, be, I might be exaggerating a little bit. But uh, it, was, it was a battle. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, I know that in a couple of days, I'm going to have to force myself to recover because my wife's immune system is not, not going to be as strong as mine. It has been, though. She hasn't even flinched, the little legend. She hasn't... She hasn't budged at all. She's just walked through the week like a trooper, not a complaint, not a sniff, not a cough. She's just got through it, and uh, which is such a relief to me because I didn't want to be sick and then have to help out more with, um, you know, 
what do you call it? More dad duties. Anyway, so it's been an eventful little week. It's, uh, I shouldn't be complaining as much as I am for the fact the sun's shining so brightly. It must be 28 degrees Celsius outside today. I went out for a little date with my lady, as I said, and, uh, and today was the first time in a fortnight, first day in two weeks that we had a good date without any grump. Went to a little, it's a weird date though. We went to an op shop. Dates have changed for us. We used to go out and have a little kiss and have a little coffee. Now we go out, we were at an op shop buying books for our kids and getting excited about the fact we got three books for $20. And then we went and had a quick coffee while our other boy was asleep. But I thought, man, times have changed. Times have changed, but it's been so nice. A day like this, I, I love this feel. This this feel, this time of year, especially down where I am, because usually it's a fairly quiet little town. And mostly I like that. Mostly I like the fact it's fairly quiet and there's not a whole heap of noise and you feel as though it's just, a, it's a little bit of a chilled out vibe. You got the city an hour and a half that way if you want it. But uh, but you come back here and it's just peace and quiet. But then but then this year, this time of year, what are we? December the second, the sun comes out, the birds start to sing, the lawns are relatively green, the flowers are colourful. You come out, there's a little bit of pep in your step. There's a little bit of something going on, and everyone feels it. Every, it's just like a little bit of a. I don't know why it's such a secret that the sun has so many things which are good for us emotionally, but that sun comes out and everyone's just there's a little click. There's a little, everyone's a bit lighter on their feet, even the oldies, which let's be honest, it's the, that's the main part of the population down here. But I think you start to get people from Melbourne come down and they're on holidays and the streets get a bit busier, the cafes start to pick up a little bit. You go, all right, this is, this is the time of year that we, I don't want to say we live for because there's a lot of good times of the year, but this is a, it's certainly my favourite. The water starts to look a bit more blue there's a couple of local dolphins who poke their fins up a little bit more, scare people who aren't aware of the fact that dolphins swim around here regularly. Is it a shark? I think it could be. Get out of the water there quick. <laughs> That's horrible because, uh, you know, I was, I've only been a local now for two years and someone told me there was a shark in the water a couple of years ago when it was a dolphin. I would have believed him and not been happy about it. It's not that much of a funny joke unless you're the bloke saying it's a shark when you're confident it's a dolphin. But yeah, Pasquini's lights up. I went down to my local coffee shop, Pasquini's, the other day, and it's a it's a weird small town kind of vibe. You know there's not much competition in the town because Ned, the the barista, he bought my coffee to me the other day. Oh, he's about to bring my coffee. I ordered a green tea, truth be told, because I had a week off coffee. I thought, you know what? I just wasn't I wasn't feeling it. I went off it. There's something about the smell of coffee this week, and uh, I don't know, it might have been the COVID experience. Maybe my body was out of whack, but yeah, I've never, I've never looked at a, a, a long black with so much disrespect in my life. So I was on the green teas, and he bought me out a green tea. He was about to pour it into my cup. He goes, oh, Tyus, I'm sorry, that cup's disgusting. Look how dirty it is. I said, oh, Ned, that's horrific, even for the standard of this establishment. He goes, I'll get you another one. He, wa he walked out with another one. He goes, this one's only a little bit better. I thought, what a strange thing to say to one of your customers. You've taken away another cup because it's filthy, and you've bought another one out. He said, this one's only a little bit better, but it was, it was my only option. And when you live in a small town, there's only one cafe. You can get away with that kind of stuff because where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to drive into Geelong and go to Macca's and order a long black there. He knows I won't do it. I'll take the dirty cup every day of the week. But man, yeah, it's funny. When you start to see people just hovering around the front of Pasquini's and having a little coffee and speaking about the last couple of years and looking forward to some, you go, oh, okay, summer's in the air. Here we are. 
and it feels good when your skin gets a little bit golden brown. You know, you, you walk to the gym with your shirt off, and it doesn't even feel, I, I'll, I'm a culprit for that. I'll get the shirt off at any moment I can. If I have an opportunity to get the shirt off and, and just see what we can do, I'll do it. I'll take that shirt off 100%. Sometimes, even if it's warm and overcast, I just go, you know what, shirt's coming off today. I don't care what the low, because in the back of my mind, I go, well, the old ladies love it. Like, I'm doing everyone a favor here. I'm getting some vitamin D. The ladies get a little bit of a sneak peek. Because trust me, I mean, there's better rigs in the world, but when you're married to an 87-year-old man, you see a 35-year-old body go past like that, golden brown town, relatively fit, you go, ooh, ooh, damn, that takes me back to my younger days. And, uh, well, that's, that's the story I tell myself. That's how I justify running around with such a preposterous outfit. Just hope you don't see anyone I know. I did a run like that yesterday as well. It was my first run back from COVID. And uh, I had the shirt off and I got 100 meters in. I go, you know what? I've, I've overemphasized the warmth in the air. And, and there's no reason, there is no way I can justify this attire decision because everyone knows that, uh, they know that I live not that far from here. So I haven't been running for a long time. Um... But anyway, you gotta, you just gotta, you gotta hold yourself with a, an element of respect that you have to run and look as though you're really hot. So people go, oh no, well, look, he's he's working hard, the poor fella. It's my theory. Maybe I should just run with a singlet on. To be fair, I don't think there's any 85 year olds looking at me going, oh, there surely there would be at least one. I mean, there's a lot of them out there drinking coffees, and I always hear the way they talk about it. That's the that's the most shocking thing about women. They got this reputation for being so clean, so pure, so often. Not always, but in com- comparison to men, I was at Pasquini's the other day, and uh, one of the uh, one of the coffee men, he, he, he's a he's a bit of a flirt. He must be pushing forty. He'd be pushing forty, maybe a little bit older. But he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of something in him. He treats the ladies, hello ladies. You know, he's got that one about him. Hello, lovely ladies. How are we today? And every time he walks away, I hear things come from the, the mouths of those elderly ladies that you just never expect to hear. I heard an old lady the other day say, hey, the age changes, but the emotions don't. And I was like, that is the, the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Because I know that what she's trying to tell me, she's very sexually attracted to this man. And uh, I didn't want to hear it. Because you get to a point where you realize that like the sexual desire, I, I don't know if it ever fully goes away, does it? Not for men, it doesn't. I know that. But the idea that there's grandmas out there who are interested, you go, ah, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Anyway, I just chuck my headphones in and I, uh, I just do my run and, and just hope that it's a, a treat to the eyes of anyone <laughs> walking past. I'm usually, I was listening to a great audio book on my run last week. It's called Running the Light. It was written by a, um, a stand-up comedian. I think he read it. Uh, I think he read it. I think he read. I think he wrote it earlier this year. Running the light by a guy called Sam Talent. No joke. No joke. I'm going to call it. I haven't read a ton of novels, to be fair. Not heaps. I've read a couple. I'm trying to get a little bit of a feel for them lately, but I'm going to put it down as my my favourite book of the year so far. Running the light. Story about a guy, stand up comedian, who's. I mean, he's in the tail end of his career and he's sacrificed everything for his comedy. Now even his comedy's not gone that great. I finished the book and I thought, man, I messaged the author. I go, dude, unbelievable, unbelievable. I, he's one of those guys, you know when you listen to someone 
was listening to it on Audible. You know when you listen to someone and they, they put sentences together in a way you're like, ah, that's, that's the best way to explain what you're trying to explain. What a cool way to say it. It felt like it was that every paragraph. You go, ah, oh, that is such a good way to put that. So I messaged him. I go, dude, amazing book. He messaged back. He goes, hey, thank you so much. I said, well, hey, I've got a, I got a, uh, a podcast called Pop Culture. You want to come on? And ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sam Talent himself, he's going to be coming on the show next week. What a what a cool unit. Slightly nervous for that one because he's uh, I've built him up in my head. I've looked at some of his comedy. I mean, he's a good comedian. He toured with with Tim Dillon. So I mean, like he knows what he's doing. But it's so competitive in the US that there's there's guns like Sam Talent who I don't know if he's got a Netflix special, but there's guns who's like you just don't know their name in the comedy sense yet. Maybe you do. And now I do. I've listened to uh, I've listened to a lot of his stuff since, and he's very very funny. In fact, I'm putting him up there with some of my favourite comedians. He's a he's a good bloke, so I'm pumped to listen to that next week. If you're looking for an audio book, is what I'm saying. Check out this one, Running the Light. I can't I can't quite put my finger on whether I like it because I'm a stand up comic, or if it's just I think it's just a great book. I think it's a combination of those two. I think if you're a stand up comedian, you go oh, okay, you appreciate it even more. But even if you're just a, an appreciator of uh, of final literature, <laughs> I think you know. You, I feel as though you've turned into a wanker about books when you start calling it literature, even though it's the official term for the name. You know, even it's the official term of uh, it's the official name of the genre, isn't it? Literature. You can go to a bookshop and request that, and, and that's fine because it's scheduled that way. But to call it literature, I would say is the equivalent of doing like a wine swirl in public. It's essentially just trying to acknowledge the fact that you're a dickhead. <laughs> and that people should lack respect for you because all you're doing is trying to get attention for something you do. It's like it's a virtue signaling, essentially. You're trying to do something to get a response out of people. I'm sure that's true. Because I find it hard to believe that anyone would sit at home by themselves and swirl a wine and then smell it. I think that's only for the elite of the elite, but then you go to a vineyard and everyone's doing it. You're there with Mikey. Mikey last week drank 27 vodkas and had 12 beers. This week he's swirling one because he, he so appreciates the finer things in life. It's like, Mikey, come on, mate. We know the game you're trying to play. Stop swirling. We know. We know you had to get your stomach pumped. Oh, dude. Hey, one of the good things about being sick last week, if there's one good thing about being sick, I think it's the justification for just being able to kick back and watch some good documentaries or some good movies. Have you seen that one, King Richard, with Will Smith? Banger. Absolute banger. The story of the dad of the William sisters in the tennis world and what he went through to, you know, try and cultivate a couple of tennis heroes. I've got to be careful because I'm attracted to these kind of stories because I can see the same kind of desire sneak up in me if I'm not careful trying to make my kids AFL stars i got to go, Tyus, you don't even know if they like football yet, mate. Just take a breath. But this guy, this guy heard a story about a lady who made 40 grand in four days of tennis, and that year he'd made 52 for the whole year. He goes, okay, I'm in the wrong business. He said to his wife, all right, apparently we've got we to gotta make two more kids. And the idea with these two kids was just to make them tennis prodigies, and that's the story of Venus and Serena Williams. You know what's crazy about Venus Williams? You don't even think about, I, I don't know about you, but when I think about the Williams sisters, I don't really think about the achievements of Venus. Because, like, imagine being the, the, imagine having won Wimbledon five times and being the second best player in your house. Like, imagine being the, you've won Wimbledon five times, which Venus has. I think that might be a record for Wimbledon victories. 
Don't quote me on that, but I think that's true. I don't even know if, Vina, if Serena won that many matches at Wimbledon. I could be wrong. But imagine that, and you're the second best in your siblings. It, it, insanity. But man, he's uh, it's got a little bit of it's got a little bit of Hollywood sprinkled on, as I can as you can imagine. But man, it was it was just good. It's just a cool, it's a, a feel good story. You can't help but cheer for for Will Smith, the dad, King Richard. It was nice to feel good feelings towards Will Smith again because I thought, man, ever since he hit Chris Rock, I was like, ah, oh, all right. I always just thought, yeah, I thought you were very cool. It'd be like Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey going up and doing that to someone. I'm a big fan of that guy, but if he hit someone, you go, ah, yeah, I just didn't, you're not who I thought you were, which I'm not sure. He went to India and spent some time there just trying to navigate his way through the, the challenges that had come up in his life. But Bill Burr put it best. He goes, you don't need to go to India to see a guru to know it's wrong to smack a guy in the face because of a joke that he made. You can't be doing that. It's not right. Oh, man. Yeah, it was very it was very strange that wasn't it? It definitely uh it definitely tampered my my feelings towards Will Smith. And it made me want to see Chris Rock just do better. It made me want him to be funnier and funnier. That's just the way it is. You can't help live entertainment's brutal like that. I was up in Altham last night and I thought I'm just gonna do all material, all new material tonight because well, usually Altham's a room where there's, there's not a heap of people around. It's usually somewhere where you just go up and you chuck some jokes out there. I'm not kidding, 20 seconds before I got on stage, 12 people walked in and the little tiny room was full. And then I thought, well, I can't just do all new stuff. These guys have come to be entertained. But one of the key problems that I face, whenever I bomb, it's usually because, okay, the material is brand new. I haven't taken time to think about the segues. I haven't taken time to think about the actual jokes that I'm doing. And I also haven't taken the, taken the time to think about what the actual audience is going to like. And last night, it was it was just tough because as I was walking to the stage after being introduced, I was like, I have to change my whole set. And then I got up there and my mind was blank and the audience was giving me nothing and there was a TV behind me which was playing and I could see people watching it. I said, well, you know when you're being heckled by a TV, it's not the most ideal night for comedy. And uh, but I knew what was happening. No one in the room wanted to make eye contact with me, and even me, honestly, I didn't want to be a part of it. You know, it's an awkward one in comedy because people can sense that you're about to wrap it up. Like whenever you get close to the end of it and you've had enough a rough night, people can sense. You put the microphone back on the stand. People go, "All right, well, this guy's been through a, an experience the last couple of minutes. Let's just let's just get him off the stage. Let's just coerce him off." And as you put the mic up, they start to give you a round of applause. And last night I saw it and I thought, no, I'm going to push through it. I'm going to make this more uncomfortable for everyone. And so I saw them start to give me the soft claps. So I went into a new joke. And it was just, a, I mean, that's the beauty of the stand-up comedy world. Every now and then, every now, just when you think you've got it, every now and then you'll, uh, you'll walk out of a place and bomb. Every now and then, just as you think you've got it, people are watching the TV behind you, just praying for this experience to stop. But... Uh, I got a chance to redeem myself about an hour later. I went down to Kaz Retop's Dirty Secrets in Collingwood there and, you know, I walked into an audience of five because we don't muck around with audiences in the stand-up comedy world. In the open mic scene here in Melbourne, where an audience of five can, can be an absolute amazing experience. It's a, it's a very strange thing, this stand-up comedy world. I'm heading out to the brewery in Geelong tonight, though, to, to go and tell a couple more funny jokes. So we'll see how that one goes down. I'll keep you posted. Ah, oh, but anyway, yeah, very, uh, very strange. 
Very straight. What else? I had a couple of notes here that I wanted to, to share with you. Is there anything else that I've missed? I told you about Sam Talent. I just told you about bombing. Had COVID round two. Um, yeah, dad care was... Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to tell you. I found out about the... Um, I don't know if I've been watching too many conspiracy things or whether this is just... I think it's just public knowledge now. This digital identity. Have you guys heard about the digital identity where just pretty much all of your public data or all of your private data is just stored in one safe space to make your life easier, to make traveling easier? I don't know how I feel about it because I feel like anything digital like that, it starts to appear as though we're heading towards a social credit system where... Uh, Remember in Canada when Trudeau, he, he locked the bank accounts of the uh, truckers who were protesting uh, the vaccine mandates? Do you remember that? It's got a little bit of that about it. It just starts to suggest to me that... I think what I'm trying to say is uh, I'm nervous about I'm nervous about these vaccine passports. Does that make you nervous at all? Not vaccine passport, digital identity passports. I want you to tell me that I'm overthinking it and I'm looking too far into it, but all I can see is an episode of Black Mirror where I'm not allowed to buy milk because I said I didn't want to get the vaccine. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones. Mind you, the residue of the last couple of years I'm sure is strong. And uh, the Australian government, we trust them, we respect them, we love them. They wouldn't do anything wrong by us. I know that. <laughs> I know that. It's my mantra. I know it's true. Anyway, you can write your response to me at... Uh, Tyson.popplestone at gmail.com. Give me a whole heap of confidence in the fact that everything's going to be okay here in Australia. It was a random little thing to sprinkle at the end of a podcast. Not a very funny story, not much humor in it. It was more of an observation. I'm looking for comfort. I think it's called, uh, what's it called when you're looking for reassurance? It's a classic sign of someone struggling with OCD who wants you to give them some emotional support. That's exactly what I've done to finish this podcast. Nonetheless, look into it. Don't sign up for it just yet, all right? Just do me a favor. I want us all to stand true, stand strong together, all right? Let's go back to uh, just paper documents. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what I'm talking about. I love you. Goodbye. I'll see you next week.